Hi, if you're looking for greater hope, assurance, and confidence through the shifting sands of life, then join me on today's episode as we dig deep into the Bible to discover rock-solid truth for life and living from the God of the Bible. I'm your host, Scott Keffer. Well, grateful to see all your smiling faces, open hearts here this morning. You... Uh, Give Beth and I encouragement. You're part of our Thanksgiving as we rejoice on a regular basis that God brings you here each week and that you continue to come. Grateful for that, both in person and online. So thank you all for your great encouragement to us. Yeah, for sure. So we are walking through the Gospel of Matthew. And we are following up on the question to the Lord Jesus. So which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we've looked at this whole idea of loving the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind. People tend to think that in the Old Testament, it's all about the law outside. But for sure, he talked often about the heart In fact, be circumcised in your heart, right? So love the Lord your God with all your heart. So we looked at that. And then we said, you know, when you think about how much does the Lord really love me, how how loved and blessed are you, right? How loved and blessed are you? And people would put a dot somewhere on a line, right? People would put a dot somewhere on a line and say, this is how loved and how blessed I am. And then I said, well, we have to put perspective on that because how, how you are loved indeed, the Lord says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, right? Heavens above the earth. That's how loved you are, right? Right? As high as the heavens are above the earth is, is how far, right, he has created for me a measuring stick, a tape measure, a measuring rod to show us his love is about 90, not even 90 million, 90 billion light years, which is unimaginable, right? It's incomprehensible, the distance, but he's given the universe itself because people say, well, why wouldn't there be other life in the universe? Otherwise, it would be a waste. It's so big. No, unless the Lord was using it to give us a picture, a picture of the difference between how he thinks and how we think, but also the difference between the picture about how much he loves us. And this is how much we think, right? This is what we think, right? This is how much we think in Christ, right? In Christ, we are loved as high as the heavens are above the earth. Does that make sense? Yes, kind of, (laughs) but it's hard to fathom. And the same way, when I I thought about it, if that's true, right, if that's true, how much we think, then this would be how much we think, how sinful and how lost we thought we were. It's probably likely the same that there's 90 billion light years between who we thought we were and who we were in Adam who we thought we were and who we really were in Adam, how sinful and how lost we really were, a matter of perspective, right? So that led us on a journey to say, let's look at again, afresh, 
who are we, right? And who, we, who were we and who, we, who are we today? And so I would, as always, speak to us as good evangelicals who want to fill in the blanks with the right answers to stop and, and, and let the answers wash over you, right? So this isn't about getting all the answers right as much as it is letting them wash over us and remind us because this right here, right, of course is this, but this is the grace of Almighty God. This is the grace of God. The only thing that would take us from here to here, right? So it's, it's to get a good perspective about who we were, but also a reminder of who those we are, who we gathered together with in Thanksgiving, who annoyed the heck out of us because they were seemingly blind and in darkness, right? The frustration that occurred. So we're going to start in Adam. We're going to start in Adam. And I'll see if I can do this on the board. So everybody get your in Adam sheet out. And in Adam, every person is born in Adam and in sin. Every person is born in Adam and in sin. So scripture says, through one man, sin, let's read that, entered into the world and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. You've probably heard this before. Doctrinally, what does that mean? That we are lost Right? Not because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Right? We're not lost because we're sinners, but we sin because we're sinners. So we're born in Adam and we're born in sin, which means the old man is spiritually dead. Right? Spiritually dead. So depending on when you came to Christ, how many came to Christ under 10? Let's say under 10 years old. So if you look around under 10, um, anybody under five? I think our kids were around four or five. You know, they kind of remember the time as Beth led them to Christ, shared, led them to Christ, not fully comprehending what, you know, that kind of unfolded. Any in their teenage years, 10 to 20. You look around 10 to 20, different, right, different picture. Anybody 20 to 30, right, anybody over 30? So if you look at that, very different experiences for us, right? What it says is before you came to Christ, you were spiritually dead. <laughs> you were spiritually dead. So why is that? Well, first of all, we have the devil. We have the devil. And the devil says, you can be like God. You can be like God. The serpent was more crafty than any other beast. He says, surely you won't die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. So we're born spiritually dead and we're heavily attracted to the nature of sin is I want to be God. I not only want to be like God, I want to be God. I want to be God of my life. I want to be God of my future. I want to be God of my surroundings. I want to be God. Then we have the world, right? So we have the devil and we have the world system. The world system. And I remind myself it's a system because if we think the world, we tend to think, oh, the people in the world, right? The people in the world, no, it's the world system. And it says, let's read this together, in which you formerly walked according to the course of the world system, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. So the world system 
is overarchingly controlled by Satan, right? The demon over the world system. He's the prince of the power of the air, right? He is broadcasting all the time. It's not CNN that's the problem. It's not CNBC that's the problem. It's not NBC. It's the evil one, right? It's the evil one. He's the prince of the power of the air. And his world system that he's set up has three main courses in which it draws and keeps you in darkness. It is the lust of the eyes, well, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. So think about that. Lust of the flesh is, if it feels good, do it. If it looks good, get it. And if it makes you feel better about yourself, right, that's it. I mean, that's, those are the three things, right? If it feels good, you need to have it. If it looks good, same way, right? So the course of the world system is built on lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Those are the things that keep people in darkness, right? So they're at work. Born, right? Everyone's born that way. And so there are three components, or actually two, right? You have the body, right? You have the body, which is what? Your senses. What you see, what you smell, what you feel, touch, all of that, right? Taste, all of that. And so lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life, what are those always going after? My senses, right? <laughs> Go after my senses. They appeal to my senses. If it feels good, right? And essentially, the world system says, you can have it all. Well, that's good because I want it all, right? I want to be God of the world. I want to be God of my world, and I want to have it all. I like that message. You can be like God. You can be God, and you can have it all. Right? And you think about, look around the world system. What's the message? You can control your future, right? And you can have it all. Why wouldn't you not? Right? So you have the body and the senses. And of course, all of this is appealing to the body and the senses. The evil one is and the world system is, isn't it? And it's very appealing. <laughs> it's very appealing. And of course, so we appeal to the senses. And from there, we... The, the senses impact the soul. The senses impact the soul. And the soul has three components. The emotions, which is what I feel, right? What I feel. Hits my emotions, which impacts my will, which is what I do, which then impacts my mind, which is what I think. Make sense? Yeah. So if you're under 10, maybe you can remember living like that. If you're in your 20s, I can definitely remember living like that. I was actually pursuing advanced degrees in what felt good. Nobody can re recognize that, but that was advanced degrees. If it felt good, go for it, right? And go for it even more, right? Go for it even more. And then you'd wake up from it and realize you were empty and not knowing, then you would medicate. The whole idea of this Medicaid is to keep yourself from being fully attuned to the fact that you were lost and, and vacant inside, right? Or you just, the world system says, turn up the music, go louder, go faster, keep moving. 
because don't stop to think, right? Because you recognize it's not the case. And you look around and you think some of the people we grew up with, Jimi Hendrix, one of the greatest guitar players in the world, comes to a place and then he kills himself. And you think, why would he do that? It just seems so weird. Why would he do that? A lot of the people, you know, because music was a key thing that I always looked to, and you see a lot in the music world, they'd get everything and then they would have realized, right? So everyone's thinking, if, I, if only I have more, I'll be okay. Then the few who get it say, I'm still not okay. So it must, it must not, it, whatever it promises, I don't get, right? Okay, so, so the world system, playing to my senses, emotions, will, and mind. And it says that, that if you look on there, in the futility of their mind being darkened in their understanding. In the futility of their mind being darkened in their understanding, right? So it says, if you look at this, right, so we're going out and in, right? We end up in the mind, but the mind is dark. And there's a reason because down here, the spirit is dead, right? There is, no, there is no spirit, no ability to communicate or fellowship with God. The spirit's dead. In fact, Ephesians 2.1 says we are spiritually dead, right? Spiritually dead. <clears throat> and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. So it says in Ephesians, right? You were dead in your trespasses and sins. So here, if you see the body, it says we were indulging the flesh. We were indulging the flesh. Ephesians 2, 2 and 3 says, Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. See how it ties together? So the, the mind, right, the, the flesh and the mind are connected. You're in futility because we live essentially this way, right? So we are existing outside in. We're existing outside in. Not even living, we're just existing. That'd be true, right? We're existing outside in. We're unable to recognize that we're in the futility of our mind. We're darkened, separated from God, right? Not even knowing, right? So it, it, it suggests we have three ways to look at who we are. The first is, let's read from 2 Corinthians 4.4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. So first of all, we were blind. I once was blind. <laughs> I once was blind, but now I see. <laughs> I once was blind. Okay, let's read from 2 Timothy. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. So not only are we blind, we are captive. We are we blind, but we are captive. And we're captive to whom? The devil. Captive to the devil. I don't know if you remember the process, but for me, it was, be, it was like the light started to shine, and then you realize, whoa, this is darkness I'm in. This is darkness. I'm in a pit. I don't even know. I didn't even know I was in a pit, right? Because you're swirling around, being darkened in your understanding, right? And then lastly says, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free 
in regard to righteousness. Righteousness had no place in your life, right? You were free. So you're blind, captive, and a slave to sin. Well, that's good news. Blind, captive, and a slave to sin. Well, it gets better. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. So unwilling, right? We're unwilling to honor God or give thanks. Unwilling to honor God or give thanks. Unwilling, right? Because it says they suppress the truth. So there was, there is part that sense that the truth, we're suppressing it, right? Secondly, he says both Jews and Greeks are all under sin, as it is written, there are some righteous, not even one. The boy, that bugs some people. I mean, it just annoys some people who say, well, that's not true. I know so-and-so, they were seeking God, or, you know, there's that scripture in Acts where that person was seeking God. Yeah, but I'm, I, I just am left with God had to be working because it says there are none. None who understands, there's none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. There's none who does good. There's not even one. So unwilling to seek God, unwilling to honor God and give him thanks, unwilling to seek God. And as a result, they would say, some would say, you love sin so much you're unable to, right? That sin has such, you're such a slave to it, you're, you're not only unwilling, you're unable, right, to not. But it does say for sure, you are unable to please God. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Unable, please God. So therefore, all are under God's judgment. All are under God's judgment for sin. All are under God's judgment for sin. And in fact, God doesn't mince words. As a result of this, you are a child of wrath. You are a child of wrath by nature. It says by nature. What's that mean? It's in there. Just, just, that's the way you were born. It is, it is in your DNA by nature, right? You Child of wrath and after death, what's the destiny? Separation. Separation from Almighty God. So there's a penalty, right, for this sin, and it's separation. It's separation from God. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. From the glory of His power. So spiritually dead, the old man is spiritually dead. Existing from the outside in, right, literally blind, captive, slave of sin, unwilling to honor and give thanks, unwilling to seek God and unable to please him, right? Literally a slave of sin in Adam, in sin. Even for us to say, how sinful is sin? <laughs> how sinful is sin? And that's why Paul said, you know, when it says, do not covet, this is to show the sinfulness of the sin. And then he says, well, the law came and sin increased. Well, it's the law's problem. That's what he's saying in, in Romans. It's the law's problem. That, before you said, do not covet, I didn't covet. Now you say, don't covet, I covet. The law is the problem. He said, no, the law is sinless, right? The law is perfect. The law is holy. 
It's to show how sinful sin is. If the holy law comes and and you sin more, that shows how sinful sin is. Everybody get that? Oh, it's the law's fault. No. Just tell me I can't and I want. Right? And if you've studied sales at all, the number one thing, everybody's motivated by different things, the number one thing everybody wants, what they can't have. We want what we can't have. That's the nature of sin. If I can't have it, I want it. Right? That's the nature of sin. I want to be like God, and I want to have it all. I want to be like God, and I want to have it all. That's the deal. And I love darkness. I loved darkness. Loved Literally love the darkness. We love it at night, but you love the darkness, right? I did not want my deeds to be exposed. And as I, as I read scripture and then to realize it's not just, right, it's not just uh, committing adultery, it's lusting in your heart after a woman you've already committed. You know, it's calling somebody an idiot, a moron, a fool, right? He says you're, you're guilty enough, right? Because you're murdering the person's dignity, right? What the heck? What the heck? Then you realize, what the heck? That sin is sinful. Sin is sinful. Lost in darkness, right? And then all of a sudden, you are down here, born again. It's my favorite question when they used to come to the door, you know. I'm here to talk about the kingdom of God. Oh, really? That's great. Love to talk about the kingdom. Have you been born again? No, I haven't been born again. I said, well, Jesus said you can't see the kingdom unless you've been born again. How can you talk about a kingdom, right? You can't see, right? But then you're born again, and you go from being in Adam to in Christ. You go from being in Adam to in Christ, in which case you are a new man, a new man. And Scripture says you are a saint and a son. You are a saint and a son. Ephesians 1, he says, to the saints who are in Ephesus, to the saints in love, he predestined us as adoption, to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. So it's not a gender thing. It's not sons and daughters, right? Don't be lost in that. It's not about, it's the fact that you are in line as a son, as a firstborn, right? All, all the, uh, the benefits of that. So we're a saint and a son. So a number of things happen when you come to Christ, when you're born again. So let's read from Ezekiel 36 over on the left-hand side. He says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you. Holy smokes, okay? So you start to say, okay, so what happened here? Well, he says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. So if you think over here, body, soul, spirit, dead, no spirit. In other words, this is the place where fellowship occurs with God. No spirit, spiritually dead. Now he says, I'm going to give you a new heart and a New spirit. We now have a new spirit, right? We, spirit is alive, if you will. And he says, oh, by the way, I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you. My Holy Spirit in you. Spirit himself, watch this, Spirit himself testifies with 
our spirit. That's where fellowship occurs. No spirit, spiritually dead, no, no fellowship with God. The Holy Spirit dwells in us and testifies to our spirit that we are, are children of God. And we are now a new creation. We are now a new creation, new things. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature, right? We've been recreated, recreated. What's that look like? Well, first, the righteousness of God. That's pretty good. Well, how did that happen from here to here? Huh. Hmm. Wow. The righteousness of God. And it says we are justified, sanctified, and glorified. Lord, Lord I, I think you got your verbs wrong in the scripture because those are past tense. As if they already happened. Justified, sanctified, glorified. That's because by his doing are you in Christ Jesus who has become our wisdom from God, our righteousness, our sanctification, our redemption, right? In Christ, we are justified, sanctified, and glorified. And he says also that we are to be to the praise of his glory. What? From there to there? To the praise of his glory. Well, that don't make sense. That doesn't make sense. And so now we're being reordered. We live, we're not only outside in, but we're upside down because we were living, right, wrong way. So now the spirit here and the soul is here. Spirit comes alive and the soul. And the soul, of course, is the mind, which is what we think. Mind is what we think. The will is what we do and the emotions are what we feel. That's why Beth said a couple of weeks ago, right, we start with what's true, that's the, that's the engine. <laughs> the, the emotions are the caboose. They come behind. They come behind. And of course, those flow out into the body. Those flow out into the body and then out, right? Out into life. So, we are to be living inside. We are to be living inside out. There's an interesting verse in Isaiah 11. It's talking about the Lord Jesus, that the Lord Jesus would come and the spirit of the Lord would rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and counsel, the spirit of knowledge and strength, the spirit of, of I've got counsel and the, uh, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He would delight in the fear of the Lord and he would not judge by what his eyes see, nor make decisions by what his ears hear. So he's saying the Lord Jesus is going to come in the flesh, and he's going to show you this is what inside out looks like. He doesn't judge by what his eyes see, nor make decisions by what his ears hear, which means he's living inside out. So we've got the world around us coming at us, but he's saying he lives here not that doesn't become your sense of reality and truth. Does that make sense? That's a very different way to, because we're so used to living outside in by what we feel and smell and taste and hear, right? All those. It says the Lord Jesus gives us that picture. He delights in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make decisions by what his ears hear. Well, that's hard, isn't it? Because... We still have the devil. <laughs> the devil. 
the devil still got the same message. You can be like God. And he's going to do all of that stuff. He's going to do all of that stuff. What's that? Deception, accusation, and temptation. You can do all of that stuff. So scripture says be on the alert. Your adversary. So underline that. He ain't your friend. No, a friend of the devil is not a friend of mine, right? Think about that, right? Think about that song, right? We sang that in college. A friend of the devil is a friend of mine. Huh, sound great tune, right? <laughs> Memorable. Friend of the devil, no, ain't a friend of mine. Uh, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. There is only one lion of Judah. And it ain't the devil. So he does, that, that doesn't mean you, you discount his ability, but he's not the Lion of Judah. He, he prowls around like a lion, just a reminder. And Satan disguises himself. He disguises himself. What's he disguise himself as? Huh. And by the way, he's really good at disguising himself. See, he's, he's, been, he's been deceiving humans for thousands of years. He's very good, right? He, he is very good. And so he promises, right, the angel of light, and you notice what's in the angel of light, just a reminder. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. He is a liar. He's a liar from the beginning. Then, of course, we have the world system going on out there world system and the world system says you can have it all you can have it all have it your way have it your way I like to have it my way have it your way right lust of the flesh lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life those things that make me boast about myself so we have the devil, we have the world system, and we also have dang flesh. The dang flesh. So Paul laments, that's not Romans 5, so that's wrong. It should be Romans, that's Romans 7. So let's read that. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. Everybody see that? In the inner man. Uh, but I see a different law in the members of my body waging war. Waging war, not, not with water guns, waging war. Waging war against what? The law of my mind. Watch this, the law of my mind. So watch what happened. So he has flipped us because down here the mind is at the end of the trail and it's in darkness. Here he's flipping us right side up. The spirit, our mind gets, gets at the top, right? So the flesh is waging war against the spirit and the law of the mind. The truth, right? The law of the mind, right? And making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. He goes on, a wretched man that I am. For what dwells in my flesh? No good thing. No good thing. It's hard to imagine that my flesh is still in there. But he says, thanks be to God who reconciles us and frees us. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, <clears throat> spirit against the flesh. 
we are at war in our flesh. I had hoped that the longer I went with Christ, the less this would be the case. It's not. I hate to tell you, the longer, the more you press into Christ, the more this is a battle. And sometimes it feels like the flesh wins a lot, right? Because the, the feelings and, you know, we talk about this uh, so much of the way we're wired is to go by feelings, to go by feelings. This feels right, whatever that is. And so the battle, right? So it doesn't get easier. So how do we do that? Well, worship the word and the spirit. Worship the word and the spirit. So he says, beholding the glory of the Lord. What's that? I'm telling you, that's your personal worship. Is, is, is fellowship and corporate worship and all of that key? Yes. Um, but I'm telling you, it's you getting with the Lord, right? Beholding, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. As in a mirror, that's personal. We're being transformed. What are we being transformed into? Same image from glory to glory, right? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How are you transformed? By the renewing of your mind. How do we do that, right? Through Scripture, right? So we have the Word of God here. Worship the Word. And if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body. Worship, Word, and the Spirit. So when you were born again down here, right? When you were born again, whatever, whenever that happened, right? First of all, you were justified. I heard this before. What does justified mean? Justified mean we're free from the penalty of sin. This is free from the penalty of sin. John, John 5, 24, we passed out of death into life, right? Out of condemnation. There's therefore now no condemnation. We're free from the penalty of sin. At death, right, over here, death no longer has a sting. Why? Because there is an eternal destiny for us. And what is that? Glory. That's glory over here. That's our eternal destiny. What's the scripture say? What do we wait for? We eagerly wait over in the, for a Savior. Everybody see that? In the box. Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform. What's he going to transform? the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. What does that mean? When we are glorified, we are free from the presence of sin. Free from the presence of sin. Think about how critical that is. If he put us back in the garden again, what would we do? We'd fall again. So Adam was created sinless, but he fell. He's going to transform us into conformity with the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, glory, which means you can never sin again. You're free from the presence of sin. This is super critical. Because <laughs> it's not just sinless. We, we are freed from the presence of sin eternally. So born again, die. But in between, we are being sanctified, which feels like sanctified. That's why, because we're battling, right, the power of sin, which often feels like it's winning, doesn't it? It just feels like it's winning. We're in the middle of battling. We battle the power of sin. We know our eternal destiny. Our eternal destiny is glory. 
right? We'll be free from the presence of sin. The good news is we've been free from the penalty of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We've passed out of judgment. We've passed out of death into life. Why? Because we are in Christ. So he says, let's read 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So may God sanctify you entirely. <laughs> and notice he says, right, sanctify you, spirit, soul, body in the right order, inside out, inside out, right? inside out. So he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, right? We are sons. We're a saint and a son. We have a new heart and a new spirit, and he's put his spirit within us. He is, he is reconstructing us <laughs> from the inside out, right? And he has given us, right, the ability to worship his word and his spirit to help with the battle against the devil, the world, and the flesh, right? The devil, the world, and the flesh. And we're justified, we are sanctified, and we are glorified already, past tense. And it's likely if you're a believer and you've been one for all, you know all these answers. <laughs> Nothing surprising here. So let the truth wash over you, right? Because it's the nature of sin to take that which is glory and make it pedestrian. That which should take our breath away and each day remind us, right, to be in awe and say, yeah, I know that, I know that, right, I know that, because I'm like God, right, knowing good and evil, right, so we have to be careful of that, so be in awe, for you are in Christ, and write an insight, and we'll share with you, we are born into, yeah, we're born into sin, this is who we are, right, yes, I would, yes, yes, unable to please God, yeah, I never heard that. Way, like, yeah, way above, way above, right? Yeah. And so this, this whole idea, can I save myself? Can I, can I, can I rescue myself? Can I redeem myself from this, right? And so if you're here, just this is what's happened at the cross. I mean, this is, this is what's happened at the cross, right? Which is to close this gap, which is 90 billion light years between you and the glory of God, the holiness of God, right? That's the, the awesome thing that he's done in us. So we're likely more blessed and more loved than you believe you are. <laughs> and you were rescued from a more sinful and lost place than you thought you were. <laughs> Highly likely. Because infinity is, is infinite. There, there no beginning, no end. No, and the 90 billion light years are about how big they say the universe is today. Right, that that if 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 they were able to measure it, it would be it would measure 90 billion light years. If we sent a sonar signal out to the edge of the universe, it would hit the edge and come back, right? And there would be 90 billion light years. And so, to me, it's God's tape measure. It's his right. He he's made a model for you, right? And I always I always say it's when we came back from New York City, I brought back, we went into the Statue of Liberty, and I brought back a little one, and I said to my friends, we were in the Statue of Liberty. And they said, well, that doesn't seem amazing. No, there was a zillion, yeah, I mean, there's all these steps, and you know, it's a, yeah, but gee. So we look at it, and we go, yeah, oh yeah, God's love. 
Yeah, and it's like, no, you're, it's, 90, it's like 90 billion light years. Oh, yeah, I know, but you know, yeah, okay, amazing, right? So he's given us the universe as, as a mo model, if you will. It's God's ruler for you to see, hey, by the way, that's it, right? And by the way, my love is infinite, so it's even more than that. It's even more that because there is no sonar signal that reaches the edge of his love and comes back. Anybody else? It is unfathomable. It is unfathomable. Would I rescue myself if I were that? No, I, I wouldn't. And not just, he didn't just re redeem you. He made you a saint and a son. See the difference? Right, because he could have said, hey, your sins are forgiven, just stay over there. Or your sins are forgiven and you can be over there, not at my right hand. He made you a saint and a son. He put you in Christ to share his inheritance. Amen. And may the God who adopted you, may he bless you, may he keep you, may he cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance and grant you shalom deep in your soul. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and all day, all week, all your life. Amen. Thanks for listening. I hope you have greater hope, assurance, and confidence in your life and a deeper trust in the God of the Bible and His Son, Jesus Christ. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace, his shalom in your soul and in your life. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you.